things first. This is about truth telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what no mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Breath taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of No Mercy with yours truly coming at you from an undisclosed location, yet one still set up by a studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is the official sports betting company of the No Mercy podcast. Gold is the silver bullet for protecting and building your wealth, by the way. Call my friends at Legacy Precious Metals at 866-257-3080. That's 866-257-3080. Or download your free investing kit by visiting them online at Legacy pminvestments.com. You know, there's a lot of things to talk about, uh, particularly unnecessary takes. Obviously, usually I reserve this for Fridays, but because I was on vacation last week, I decided to come off the off of vacation and to make sure outside of my Becky Lynch interview that aired uh, Saturday while I was at WrestleMania 39, uh, this is really the first show that I'm doing since vacation, and um, I'd be remiss in neglecting to start off this necessary takes by uh, failing this show to to discuss the Nashville shooting. Um, I'm not about to politicize everything and get into this issue of gun control uh, because to be quite honest with you, I understand both sides. I understand people that sit up there and say, we need to get rid of the guns. I understand others uh, that say, no, guns are not the problem. The people who own them are. There are over 360 million guns in the United States of America. We have more guns in this country uh, than I believe any place else in the world. Um, and so that's something that people can debate ad nauseum, and I get all of that. Here's where my position is, just so we know. Six people were killed, three children, and three adults at Covenant School in Nashville, Tennessee. The shooter was a 28-year-old transgender woman named Audrey Hale. We also need to understand that female mass shooters are considered to be very, very rare, according to Statista, I guess that's some statistical organization or some statistical arm. Only three mass shootings since 1982 were committed by women compared to 135 by men. Since 2013, sources defines a mass shooting as any single attack in a public place with three or more fatalities in line with the definition by the Federal Bureau of Investigation, for those of you living under a rock, that stands for the FBI. Before 2013, a mass shooting was defined as any single attack in a public place with four or more fatalities. Now it's with three or more fatalities. For those of you who want to go off and want to point the finger at GOP lawmakers in Congress, I'm not going to knock you for that. They're certainly not blameless. Something should be done. We all know that these politicians are at the mercy of lobbyists funneling money. Lord knows where. We ain't fools. We get it. But I'd also remind people that uh, oh, President Obama cared deeply 
about these issues. Yet there was an all um, the Democrats held the majority in the House when he was in office. Where was gun control then? It didn't happen. So that just shows you that it doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on. Apparently, enough lobbyists seems to have their hands in the pockets, at least figuratively speaking, of politicians on both sides of the aisle. I want to go to a deeper subject. And I want to brace everybody for what I'm about to say because I mean no offense, no harm whatsoever. There needs to be a heightened level of sensitivity, no doubt about it. I'm against any phobia. I'm against xenophobia. I'm against homophobia. I'm against transphobia. I'm against all of that. As far as I'm concerned, we're all children of God. And at the end of the day, we all deserve to be treated with a level of civility, civility and decorum. I want to make sure I'm saying that because I don't want people to misquote me and misconstrue what I'm trying to say here. Again, I'm against all those phobias, okay? But let me tell you something. Even if you're a transgender individual who happens to be 28 years old, my sensitivity goes out the window for you the second you become a murderer. The second you become a murderer, particularly one who kills children. Now, I understand people might mistreat you. People might come at you the wrong way. People might be uncivil, rowdy, lawless. All of those things are true. And if this were an act of self-defense, I'm down for it. I understand. You have the right to protect yourself and your loved ones without question. But when you are an adult, whether you're a heterosexual, homosexual, transgender individual, or anything in between, you do not have a right to commit murder. And when people talk like, oh, excuse me, there's a level of understanding and an elevated level of sensitivity that we should have. No, not to murderers. Not to murderers. Somebody who kills someone in self-defense is not a murderer. Somebody who physically harmed, particularly in a fatal way, someone who did no harm to them is a murderer. I don't want to hear all of this noise about We need to address this and we need to talk about this. Wait a minute. So there needs to be a conversation about murder? To me, fine. Life imprisonment without the possibility of parole or the death penalty. That's the conversation. And I'm sorry, even though I'm against murder, period, It hits me a little bit differently when you learn it's children who were the victims. Children. In school, minding their business, haven't even had an opportunity to live their life. But because of what issues you're dealing with, what trials and tribulations you're going through, you go and you take six lives. And three of them are children. I think back to the Sandy Hook killings that took place in Connecticut 
six, seven, eight-year-old children were in school and a gunman not only murdered them, but did so in some instances one at a time while the others were forced to look on absolutely petrified as children suspecting they were next. What's there to talk about? What's there to talk about? Sometimes in life in this country, we need to get to a point where we need to realize that part of the problem is this insatiable we need to have or this need we have to converse about the problems. Instead of accepting the fact they need to be eradicated. Long before there was this insatiable need to converse and to banter back and forth and to take all type of sensibilities and sensitivities into consideration, stuff wasn't happening. You know why? Because people knew there would be dire consequences. Now, in this particular instance, the shooter was taken down fatally by law enforcement officials. But I can't believe when I'm reading stories about how people want to have a debate about what they must have been going through, etc. So now we want to justify and rationalize and rationalize the killing of children. Killings, period, but especially of children, the most innocent amongst us. I'm sorry, y'all. I ain't down with that. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? I wanted to get into Donald Trump. And don't worry for you sports lovers out there, Kevin Durant and Charles Barkley and Kevin Durant and on his legacy and what he's told to publications. Oh, I'm going to get into that in a second. Don't you go anywhere. But before I get into that, I wanted to get into something about Donald Trump. Because I know y'all have heard the news, right? He was indicted by a grand jury in the state of New York, and he's going to end up going on trial because, oh my God, stop the press. I mean, I mean, I know what I just finished talking about a second ago, but I'm about to transition to something else that, that, that's so important to so many people. The former president of the United States paid hush money in the amount of $130,000 to a porn star named Stormy Daniels. Oh, Donald Trump's going to jail, lady. He's going to jail. I mean, just uh, wait, wait, can't you wait to see him? He's going to be in handcuffs. We can't wait to see it. That's what some of y'all are saying. That's what some of y'all are saying. <clears throat> Do you know that Donald, Pe- Donald Trump was impeached once? Do you know that he was impeached twice? Do you know that when folks stormed the Capitol on January 6th, 2021 to try to prevent the certification of Joe Biden as the president of the United States, where five people were killed, including one law enforcement official. Did you know that although Donald Trump was impeached twice and for the most part blamed 
for inciting the riots that took place. Did you know that he hasn't served one second in jail? Did you know that he still has announced that he's running for reelection? Do you know an inordinate amount of dollars have been donated to his campaign? Do you know that the straw polls and certain polls that have taken place, whether it's Iowa, New Hampshire, don't quote me on those particular locales, but he is clearly the front runner for the Republican nominee above Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, above Nikki Healer, former governor of South Carolina, above Mike Pompeo, who worked in his administration, above Mike Pence, the former vice president of the United States. And who the hell knows who else? Did you know that? Did you know that all of that happened? All of them are running for office. I haven't even brought Governor Chris Christie into the equation, the former governor for New Jersey. And who knows who else is going to come out of the rear. And he is still the leading candidate for the Republican nomination for the presidency of the United States in 2024. Did you know? And you think that hush money to a porn star during the 2016 campaign is going to phase him? You know, sometimes we're just so self-righteous, we're stupid. And I'm not calling any names because I certainly don't want to be derogatory in that fashion. But I'm just talking about it's about the end game. You know, I'm a fan of Jon Stewart, the former host for his show on Comedy Central. I watched him do an interview this past weekend with, I'm sorry, last weekend with Fareed Sakaria on CNN. Excellent interview, by the way. I'm fans of both of them. And Jon Stewart is talking about the rule of law, the rule of law, the rule of law. And I totally agree with him. He's not wrong. Theoretically. Hell, literally, he's not wrong. But you're trying to tell me in the United States of America, we don't take a moment to say, hey, what sense is it for us to pursue this issue? Because where is it going to get us? If you're charging somebody with murder, fine. You're charging somebody with rape or assault, fine. You're charging someone with an act of violence, fine. But are you going to go to trial with 12 jurors over a speeding ticket? When ultimately the punishment would be, you got to pay a few hundred dollars. This ain't Judge Judy we're talking about or Judge Mathis. This is the court of law. And unless you're legitimately talking about being able to put this man behind bars and keep him there and prevent him from running for the presidency again, what are you really accomplishing? As Chris Cuomo reminded us when he came here on this show a couple of weeks ago, you have to be 35 years of age, a United States citizen, and in the country for the previous 14 years as a residence. That is the only qualification that you need to run for the presidency of the United States. You can be arrested. You can still run for office. You can be indicted. You can still run for office. You can be incarcerated and you could still run for the presidency of the United States. Why do you think Trump is asking? 
go ahead and arrest me. Go ahead and do it. That's one of the reasons. Did it ever occur to anybody? This man may not be receiving the money that he once received when he was running for office in 2016. So the level of attention that you have to pay for via campaign dollars, he may not have available to him. So as a result, what's the next best thing that you do? You put yourself in a position where guess what? You bring more and more and more attention to yourself. He could potentially use his arrest and his indictment as a campaign tool to benefit him because he's going to get the attention. He's going to rave against the machine. Talk about liberals and progressive zealots bringing down the state of this country, blah, 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 blah. And he will serve to divide in an effort to conquer. One of my favorite movies of all time was Batman with Heath Ledger. And when the butler is talking to Christian Bale and he's talking about some dude that was going around robbing and terrorizing people and doing stuff like this, but leaving the money behind. And they were like, what the hell is going on with him? He said, some people can't be bought. Some people just want to see the world burn. Has anybody taken into consideration that that's Donald Trump? Some people just want to see the world burn. Now, why would I bring that up about Trump? He says, make America great again. But doesn't he really mean, let me make America great again? Without me, I don't care what happens. If there are riots, fine. If there's mayhem in the streets, fine. If there's violence, fine. If there's death, fine. Now, I'm not going to definitively accuse him of feeling that way. What I will say is that the evidence shows it strongly leads in that direction. And y'all sitting here tripping over him being indicted and acting like that's going to be, oh my goodness, it's going, it's going, to, it's going to be earth shattering. I'm reading from stuff here. Listen, y'all, I'm going to read stuff here from you. You're talking about there are as many as 40 other lawsuits and investigations into his behavior before, during, and since his time in the White House. And three of them, all major, all potentially extremely costly, are set to go on trial at some point in the next 10 months. The last of the cases will kick off in early 2024 and all will occur as Trump is trying to get his 2024 presidential campaign into high gear. So evidently, impeaching him wasn't enough. Holding him responsible for the January 6th riots on the U.S. Capitol wasn't enough. And since you can't get him in jail, what you want is the threat of getting him in jail and to preoccupy him by inundating him with a bunch of lawsuits. And what he is doing is saying, bring it on. Cuff me in public. Sit up there and put me in, uh, on a public square in front of everybody because that's going to work to his advantage because you know what it is in Trump's mind. It's free advertising. It's campaigning without spending a dime. That's what he's doing. That's what Cuomo was alluding to. That's what I'm alluding to. 
So when somebody like John Stewart, the great John Stewart, who I revere and admire the hell out of, especially, especially his work with veterans and his work with 9-11 victims and what they deserve from our government, I stand with that man without question. But let's be clear. When we want to sit up there and uphold the rule of law, I totally agree in theory. But in practice, our judicial system makes modifications and alterations all the time, depending on the preponderance of evidence or lack thereof and the severity of the penalty and lack thereof. And if all that's going to end up happening is a slap on the wrist, that's not going to prevent Trump from campaigning and running for the presidency. My argument is, can we focus on more substantive ways in which to beat him? If that's indeed what people truly want. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Mark my words. You can put his hands behind his back and cuff Trump. I promise you. As long as the cameras are nearby and rolling, he's going to make sure his tan is as great and orange as ever, that his hair is fine, and that he's got a big fat smile on his face because he's playing everybody. By this time, it's time to acknowledge one thing about Trump. Narcissistic, absolutely. Self-absorbed, undeniably. Ruthless, amoral, that depends on who you are and what you feel. But from a universal perspective, it's time to admit one thing about him. He ain't dumb. Disinterested, aloof, derelict in certain ways, sure. Not dumb. Kind of has an idea what he's doing. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Did you know that last year the S&P 500 went down 20%? Bitcoin went down almost 60%. But gold not only didn't lose money, but went up a few percentage points. So far this year, gold has been steadily rising and silver is up almost 30% in the last six months. Experts predict gold will continue to skyrocket this year and you don't want to miss out. That's because gold protects you from inflation and market volatility. Gold and silver should be a part of every balanced investment portfolio. Legacy Precious Metals is the company I trust when it comes to investing in precious metals. What I like about LPM is they have an education first approach. Making investing decisions can be overwhelming, but their team takes the time to answer all of your questions and give recommendations based on your personal situation. Call Legacy Precious Metals at 866-257-3080 or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com to download your free investing guide. Don't leave your finances to chance. Be informed. Contact my friends at Legacy Precious Metals. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline Until I flatline, I push it to the red line Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Last point I want to bring up <clears throat> Once you transition to the world of sports And get to the one and only Kevin Durant <clears throat> Made some noise about Kevin Durant Years ago because when he decided to leave Oklahoma City To go to the Golden State Warriors 
I called it the weakest move that I had ever seen by a superstar athlete. Maybe ever. I meant it then. I mean it now. I told him to his face. Said it behind his back. I said it on national television. I still mean that. But where I changed course and became more supportive of him was when ignorant fools out there who deserve to have their sports aficionado status stripped of them is when they tried to use that as a tool or an excuse to question his greatness and say that I was saying that. Oh, how wrong you are. I don't care what anybody says about Giannis, LeBron, Steph Curry, or anybody else, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid. I believe that when Kevin Durant is 100% healthy, he is the best in the world. That is what I believe. I think he's a sniper extraordinaire. He's seven feet tall. He can shoot from 30. He can shoot from 40. He can shoot from 20. He can shoot from 10. He can finish on a break. He can go through the free throw line and hit 90% of his jump shots, of his free throws. He's that damn lethal and efficient. The biggest thing about Kevin Durant is that you've never seen him go out on the court and just say, give me the ball. I'm, I want this. I'm going to be assertive. There was only one time I saw him do that. Actually, twice. One was in the NBA Finals, his first against LeBron James as a Golden State Warrior, where he went at him. By the way, finished averaging 35 on better than 53% shooting from the field and ended up being Finals MVP. He was back-to-back -back Finals MVP. The second time, the second time, was when it was Game 5 against the Milwaukee Bucks Two years ago, when James Harden was injured, Kyrie had hurt his ankle in game four. They had to win a game five because everybody and their mother knew they were going to lose in game six back in Milwaukee and it was going to need to be a game seven back in Brooklyn. And Kevin Durant went out on the court and I said, he's dropping 50 tonight. And he had 49. And the only reason he didn't have 50 was because he missed that last free throw. By the way, he texted me at that time. He's like, damn, I know I messed up. I had I, I had 50. I can't believe I missed it by missing a free throw. The brother is spectacular. He's special. He's one of the all-time greats without question. When you look at a skill perspective and what he brings to the table, he's in the discussion top 10 all-time. All-time. You can't find 10 dudes in the NBA that was seven feet tall that could shoot with that range with those ball handling skills. He could shoot from anywhere on the basketball court. Plus, he was reliable in front of the free throw line. Plus, he can do the thing, his, do his thing defensively. The issue with Kevin Durant is his level of aggression or lack thereof. That's it. That's it. Because he want, doesn't mind being deferential and making the right play and playing the right way and, and being a good teammate. But anytime that brother wants to, he could say, give me the ball. I'm going to average 50 for the next two weeks, and he'll average 50. And ain't a damn thing anybody could do about it. That's who the hell Kevin Durant is. So when my man, my brother, my friend, Charles Barkley, goes on the air, and he says Kevin Durant is too sensitive, well, yes but he has a right to be, especially when you call him a bus rider. 
as Charles Barkley did. And here's what Barkley means by bus rider. He's talking about somebody that jumped on a bus in order to win, joined a super team, really, really insulated itself with better pieces than a typical team has available to them in pursuit of a championship, that you avoided taking the roughest route imaginable. That's what Barkley meant by bus rider, just so y'all know. I still think it's kind of wrong to call KD that. Basically riding the coattails of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. They rode him too. It ain't like they didn't want him and go to Long Island to beg him to come to the Bay Area. You ain't doing that for no bus rider. I'm not disrespecting Kevin Durant that way. I'm not doing it. He's a two-time champion, a two-time NBA Finals MVP. He's a career 27-point-per-game scorer. He's a scoring machine. He's one of the elite offensive forces the game has ever seen. Without question. And if it were not for injuries, he would have surpassed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar if not had been close enough already. He's that lethal. He's that lethal. And as I said to him, when I was on his show, The Boardroom, on ESPN+, Plus, when I sat right across from him face-to-face as Jay Williams was moderating, I called it the weakest move because what I was trying to say is not that he wasn't great, that he's so great, that he so drastically shifted the balance of power and robbed us all of competition. I didn't bother watching much of the NBA that season. Because Kevin Durant had so drastically shifted the balance of power. There was no debate. Once he joined Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, no one had a chance. The Cleveland Cavaliers were an elite team with Kyrie, with Kevin Love in his prime, with LeBron James in his prime, in his prime and the rest of the crew, and they didn't have a snowball's chance in hell. LeBron James gave a damn concession speech on the court against the Boston Celtics. Maybe that was the second year, but he knew who he was going against because they had went against Kevin Durant back-to-back years. LeBron wins the conference championship in a game seven against Jason Tatum, against Jalen Brown. That was 2018, by the way, because that was the year after Kyrie had left. And LeBron James is happy, and they're going back to the finals, and they're celebrating on the parquet floor at TD Bank Garden until they asked him. What are your thoughts about your upcoming matchup against the Golden State Warriors? Uh, I don't really want to think about that right now. You know, I'm just trying to enjoy the moment. You know, that challenge to be there waiting for us is a hell of a challenge. They got KD. We in for we in for our work, no doubt about it. I just want to enjoy this moment. Because he knew. He knew what the hell all of us knew. They didn't have a damn chance. No chance. And by the way, as I've stated on many occasions, if Kevin Durant hadn't gotten hurt, the Warriors would have three-peated. And they would have swept the Toronto Raptors. Ain't no Kawhi Leonard with, with, with Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam. I respect these brothers. Love Kyle Lowry. Known him since he was in high school in Philly. When I was working for the Philadelphia Inquirer, love Kyle Lowry. They ain't be no go to say Warriors with a healthy Kevin Durant. Not a game. Not a game. No. No. They'd have swept them. But without KD, they lost the series. Even though Kelly Thompson got hurt in that series too. Without KD, they lost it. This Kevin Durant. You know who he is. You know who he is. He's that dude. So I ain't calling him no bus rider. I'm not disrespecting him like that. 
And if he's sensitive, he's got a right to be sensitive to anybody that would disrespect him like that. Without question. I was saying to him, your greatness is too great to join that team. You go back to Oklahoma City and you knock them off. Or you go to another team where the balance of power isn't so dramatically shifted because there was no competition for Golden State. None. No one had a chance. That was my issue with Kevin Durant. That was my only issue. The shift in the balance of power. But now when he talks about his legacy, people acting like, well, you're a two-time champion, but so much. Look at how you did it. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute now. I understand Jordan didn't leave. Okay? Shaq left Orlando with Penny and Nick Anderson and went to L.A. And I'm certainly not equating him to Kevin Durant because he went for the money. Jerry West and those boys came up with $120 million. Charles Barkley left. Philly, Phoenix, went to Houston. I can't disrespect Kevin Durant like that. Claude Drexler went from Portland to Houston. Can't do that. Isaiah stayed with his own team. Jordan stayed with his own team. Julius Irvin stayed in Philadelphia all of those years when they lost in 77 to Portland. Lost to the Lakers in 80. One in 83, had to get Moses Malone to come there in order to pull that off. 4-5-4. I got it. But let's not act like Kevin Durant is the first person to go to a team and position himself for a championship. It just wasn't a team that great. And considering his level of greatness, the consistent greatness, he averaged 27 a game before he got to Golden State. He's averaged 27 a game. Since he's departed from Golden State. While he was there, he averaged about 26 a game, but won two two titles. With Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, the greatest shooting backcourt in the history of basketball. We all knew that Kevin Durant was the best player on the team. We can't disrespect this man. I won't do it. I won't do it. Even though I love my man Charles Barkley and love to agree with him, I can't agree with him here. I just can't. Kevin Durant has a right to be sensitive. But Barkley is right. A lot of these cats are too sensitive. They ain't got no business being as sensitive as they are. And we have a right as fans when you're getting paid top dollar and you're advertising yourself as somebody that's worthy of being paid top dollar. We do have a right to say, okay, well, when are you going to deliver the goods that justifies the dollars that you're receiving? We do have a right to expect that. So whereas I agree with Kevin Durant, the only pushback that I would give him when he's talking about his legacy and how the goalpost keeps being moved, et cetera, et cetera, that's not entirely correct. Madison Avenue has come along and the television dollars has made the combination of the two has made the professional athlete exponentially rich. And as a result of that rich and that fame, that wealth and that fame, what has happened is we have looked at it and we've said, yo, okay, too many of y'all, you lose, you going home early in April. And y'all on highway singing, you can't break my soul. You can't break my soul. You can't break my soul. Don't tell everybody. No, we don't want to hear that. You lost. You ain't getting it done. We don't want to see that. Kevin Durant didn't do that. That was Russell Westbrook. But you get my point. Nobody wants to see that. You getting paid top dollar. We want to see you go out there and exhaust yourself in trying to win. Now, in fairness to Russell Westbrook, he does exhaust himself in trying to win. So I would never question his effort. I'm just talking about him singing the song. 
in the summertime after the season you had in the Lakers in the Lakers uniform the previous year. No, that wasn't a good look. And if you Kevin Durant and you going to Brooklyn and you and, and y'all ain't get it done. And then you go to Phoenix and you talking about your legacy and you don't want to address that. Wait a minute now. That's all the fan has to hold on to now to hold the athlete accountable. Kevin Durant said, you don't care. You don't care what people have to say anymore. Here's the bad part about that, the pushback portion of that. We know you don't care. Even if you do, you give off the impression that you don't. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the modern day athlete. And all anybody can surmise from that is that you got your money. So we're going to go live our life no matter what. So what if we didn't win? While asking the paying customer to come and support you because they believe you're committed to winning. That's all I want to say about that. Last but not least, Megan the Stallion threw out the first pitch in Houston for the Astros. I know that there's a lot to walk away from. I mean, that white outfit she was wearing was pretty nice. She looked pretty nice in it. That's one thought to walk away from. The other thought to walk away from is the pitch itself, which wasn't that great, but you didn't expect it to be, so props to her. She came close enough. But the one thing I walked away from, and I forgot the guy's name, but he had his hand on her backside. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He could did it quick, but he ain't supposed to be touching her like that. He ain't supposed to be touching her like that. If I was a man, I'd have had a problem with that. I'll tell you that right now. I'm just saying. I understand. But that was naughty. He shouldn't have done that. Keep your hands above waist, around the middle of the back or the upper back. I think that's safe. The lower you go, the lower you seem. That's just a thought. I thought I'd leave y'all with. That's it for this version of Necessary Takes. See you on Wednesday. No mercy in the house. I always tell you, you don't have to know sports to know mercy. But it helps that I do know both. Until next time, y'all. Later. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts.